Don't you just love a good controversy? Well, I guess it depends on what the controversy is, right? I mean, going to medical school and doing my residency training and living for 20 years in Oak Cliff in Dallas, Texas, I'm definitely no stranger to controversy. We lived not far from the historic Grassy Knoll. Yep, the whole JFK controversy. And I think it's a fascinating part of our history. But you know, even medicine has very impactful controversies as well like the ERAS after elective C-section protocol. ERAS stands for Enhanced Recovery After Surgery, and there's ERAS protocols for most major surgical procedures. But there's one controversial part as it relates to elective cesarean section, and that's when is the best time to remove the Foley catheter. Oh, you're thinking, what a boring episode. We all know that. It's 24 hours. But is that really the best? While that's the historic and the traditional, there's evidence that that's just too long. But while 24 hours may be too long, the ERAS protocol calls for immediate removal as the C-section is over. Is that too early? Well, that's the controversy. So in this episode, we're going to cover the ERAS after C-section working groups data that came out in 2019 and some controversies that are still prevalent today, mainly as it has to do with early Foley removal. Is it safe? I mean, are we going to miss decreased urine output? What if they've had postpartum hemorrhage and we're going to miss oliguria? Well, we're going to cover all of that and the history of ERAS in this section. Ready? Let's cover ERAS after C-section and when is the best time to remove that Foley catheter. Our goal is to keep everyone up to date in practicing evidence-based medicine because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Cesarean delivery remains the most common abdominal surgery in North America with rates hovering anywhere from 25 to 30 percent. They still remain high despite efforts to prevent the primary cesarean section. ERAS stands for Enhanced Recovery After Surgery. It's an evidence-based, multidisciplinary approach to improve surgical care in the periop period. The aim of ERAS is to minimize the physiological response during surgery and to optimize patient outcomes without increasing post-op complications. Boy, that sounds nice, doesn't it? That's right out of the book definition of ERAS. Well, here it is in normal terms. How can we maximize outcomes with minimizing morbidity and decreasing cost? That's really what ERAS is all about. Enhanced Recovery After Cesarean expands ERAS's principles to apply to OB-specific issues. If you're ever asked why ERAS became a thing, well, it was really because of colorectal surgery. Because they're working with such contaminated areas, I mean, it's colorectal surgery for heaven's sakes, the risk of post-op morbidity was real. So ERAS was first developed to decrease morbidity from colorectal surgery. Treating pre-op risk factors helped decrease periop pathophysiologic responses and helped reduce morbidity. The original ERAS design, which is still being carried out today, focuses on three main boxes. Pre-op assessments, maximizing or optimizing intraoperative care, and then of course, post-op goals. Pre-op care focused on treating pre-existing diseases, on improving nutrition, and monitoring for alcohol abuse. Intra-op efforts were aimed at reducing surgical stress, preventing intraoperative hypothermia, and avoiding unnecessary blood loss. 
The post-op goals included managing pain, avoiding nausea and vomiting, and early refeeding to avoid ileus. Chief in all of this was also the whole idea of early ambulation. Early ambulation is a big part of any surgical ERAS protocol because early ambulation, think about the benefits that that has. It's DVT prophylaxis, it opens up the lungs for proper breathing, and it returns GI bowel function faster. But of course, you've got to have good pain control to do that. And one of the ways to help encourage people to get up is early removal of that Foley. That's why we're going to focus on that specific controversy as ERAS is applied to C-sections. Now, let me be very very clear. This is for elective C-sections, not the patient who's been pushing, for example, for, you know, four hours and then gets a failed forceps or vacuum. And there's a lot of tissue trauma in addition to the surgery in the perineal area. So this is for elective C-section, okay? ERAS applies to elective surgeries, not the kinds of C-sections that are done due to an abnormal labor process. So that's the first clinical pearl. Some of the principles can carry over for sure to the non-elective C-sections, but ERAS as it's written has to do with elective cesarean section. In other words, the scheduled cases, not the ones that are found on demand intrapartum. So that's the first clinical pearl. The original ERAS protocols have to do with elective scheduled surgery. And while we are encouraged and it is recommended to apply ERAS principles for intrapartum non-elective, in other words, on-demand cesareans, by the label as it was written, remember, ERAS was for elective surgical procedures. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In September of 2019, in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the guidelines for post-op care and cesarean delivery were released as part of the Enhanced Recovery After Surgery Society recommendations. This was part three of their three-part series for their ERAS pertaining to cesarean section. Oh, and just as a quick side note, we're talking about obstetrics, right? Well, the sister society, which is AAGL, the American Association of Gynecological Laparoscopists for Minimally Invasive Gin Surgery, they released ERAS guidelines for minimally invasive gynecological procedures in 2020, right? So we have ERAS for C-section in 2019, and then the ERAS Working Group for Minimally Invasive Gin Surgery released their guidelines in the Journal of Minimally Invasive Gynecological Surgery, or JMA in 2020, and you can find that online. But again, our podcast topic focuses on cesarean section. Just a quick side note. All right, fine. Let's dig into the 2019 ERAS during C-section guidelines. The authors of these guidelines remind us that the general belief or the principle is that continual bladder drainage at time of cesarean not only can give us a way to continuously measure urine output, but hopefully can also reduce urinary system injuries. It's also thought, of course, that this would decrease post-op urinary retention. However, urinary tract infection is one of the most common complications after C-section, not iatrogenic bladder injury. 
indwelling urinary catheters can increase the incidence of UTIs, urethral pain, and difficulty voiding post-op. These complications can result in delayed ambulation, prolonged hospital stay, and of course, increased cost to the system. Well, I know what you're thinking. Look, I'm not that worried about UTIs. I mean, the overall incidence of that, what, still pretty small, right? An increased length of stay, I mean, can it really be that much? And I'm really using an indwelling or a continuous Foley drainage at time of surgery because I don't want to hit that bladder dome. I mean, it gets better revisualization without a full distended bladder, right? Well, that's actually been looked at as well. In 2003, Gorishi conducted a prospective study with 270 patients who underwent cesarean delivery. The results indicated that placement of that urinary catheter during C-section actually did not improve surgical exposure of the lower uterine segment, nor did it reduce injury to the urinary tract at all. Patients without indwelling urinary catheters had a shorter mean ambulation time and length of hospital stay. Now, I know what you're thinking. Are you telling me not to use a Foley at time of C-section? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. And nor does ERAS. ERAS actually calls for just early removal if it's used. But I'm just trying to lay the groundwork that, yeah, people have actually published doing a C-section with no indwelling at all. I mean, in and out cath at the beginning and then in and out cath at the end of surgery. That actually is a thing. But it's a very U.S. issue to place a Foley inside for indwelling surgery. And I'm not against that. But remember, ERAS does not call for non-use intra-op. It just calls for early removal if you're going to place a Foley to begin with. But just wanted to make the point that there is data where some have performed C-section and have natural protocols in place not to use an indwelling for elective cesarean birth. All right, fine. 2003. I mean, that's been some time ago, right? I mean, that's a long time ago. But it's not just that one publication. In a separate prospective study involving 420 patients, again, all undergoing elective cesarean delivery, they assigned patients into, again, this was randomized, into a non-catheterized group, so no Foley during section, or a catheterized group. And if they had a catheter, the catheter was going to be removed at 12 hours post-op. So hold on. We're going to talk about timing of removal a little bit later on in this session, okay? I mean, there's some data to remove it at 6 hours, some at 8, and then some to remove at 12 hours. We're going to talk about that. But remember, in this prospective study, either no catheter or place a catheter and just remove it at 12 hours. Well, what happened? The study reported that mean time to patient ambulation, first post-op void, oral rehydration, and even bowel movements, that was weird, was actually quicker in the non-catheterized group. Even though the urinary catheter was removed 12 hours after surgery, when it was placed, the incidence of UTI was significantly higher at 5.7% compared to 0.5% in the non-catheterized group. Man, there is data for not using a Foley, not using continuous drainage during C-section. Look, I get it. I get the evidence-based deal. I'm still going to use a Foley at C-section. I just got to say it. But I do like the early removal. But in fair balance, I want to let you know if somebody ever calls you that you're whack or crazy for trying to not use a Foley at elective C-section, that's okay. There is evidence to do that. However, there's no question that in the U.S., the more traditional approach is to use an indwelling, but just remove it quicker than the 24 hours. Remember, ERAS right now doesn't call for non-use of an indwelling, just it calls for immediate removal after the section is done. So I'm going to tell you about that controversy because not everybody agrees. 
Here's another clinical pearl. Whenever somebody references a systematic review or meta-analysis or the Cochrane Systematic Review's conclusions, it's important to dive into what kind of studies actually went in to generate those conclusions and findings, right? I'm very conscious of trying to do that whenever I mention either a systematic review, a meta-analysis, or the Cochrane Systematic Review to let you know what actually went in to generate those results. Well, here's why this matters. Part of this ERAS and C-section guideline, specifically dealing with post-op care, references a Cochrane review dealing with early removal of a Foley. They reference five randomized control trials with 1,065 patients, all right? 1065. It's a good number. It's okay. Five randomized trials. Well, this Cochrane review showed that the use of urinary catheters in patients who underwent cesarean delivery was associated with increased time to first void higher incidence of discomfort because of catheterization, delayed post-op ambulation, and prolonged length of stay. In other words, they're like, hey man, just don't do it, or if you do it, just take it out real quick, because there's really no value. Wow, that's what the Cochrane Review said regarding indwelling Foley use at cesarean section. Wow, that's pretty strong, right? But there's a catch. You see, you'd have to go back to those five randomized trials and figure out the kind of anesthesia they had because not all kinds of regional anesthetics have the same effect on bladder function. In other words, some cause delayed activation or reactivation of the bladder complex, while others, as soon as it wears off, the effect of the regional is gone. All right, so here's the controversy with the ERAS and C-section. The authors of the working group call for immediate removal of the urinary catheter following surgery, although they acknowledge that the existing evidence is pretty low quality. And here's the issue with using that Cochrane review. The included studies utilized predominantly regional anesthesia, but none reported on the use of long-acting neuraxial analgesics. And in fact, there is evidence of decreased bladder function and increased urinary retention in women who receive these long-acting neuraxial anesthetics. Remember that as we're moving away towards systemic post-op opioids, in other words, taking narcotics by mouth or IV, and as we shift towards a multimodal, stepwise, progressive pain management algorithm, you got to remember that there's strong evidence that long-acting neuraxial opioids reduce post-op pain and decrease oral and parenteral opioid use. And that's great. That's our goal. We want to put opioids right into the nerve roots without having having to be used systemically that can lead to dependency. That's why the Society for Obstetric Anesthesia and Perinatology, or the SOAP Society, that's S-O-A-P, as well as ACOG, support and recommend the use of long-acting neuraxial opioids for cesarean delivery. The ERAS Society guidelines similarly report the use of long-acting neuraxial opioids whenever possible to improve post-op pain and reduce the use of parenteral and oral opioids. So there's a disconnect there. So that same ERAS guideline society says, hey, let's use long-acting opioids intrathecally, but let's remove their foley at the same time when the studies that were being quoted didn't use that type of regional anesthetic. It was a spinal or an epidural, and then when it wore off, it wore off. Well, of course, her bladder function was faster in that group. All right, podcast family, quick disclosure, because 
If you don't know, I'm telling you right now, although I think I've said it before, I've got wicked ADD and I always go off script. Well, I usually go off script. And so I was told that, man, I ranted on that last one. No, but it's very important because I want you all to see the distinction here, right? So on the one hand, hey, use opioid long-acting narcotics, but take away the folio right away. Well, those two things should be almost mutually exclusive because you can't use a long-acting intrathecal narcotic and then expect their bladder function to function right away. See, that's the disconnect with the current ERAS guideline. By the way, I know those authors, they're great. I'm not you know, trying to throw them under the bus or anything. But there is that little weird disconnect and hence the controversy. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. See, there's a beauty of it. It's okay. We can agree to disagree. It's for those very reasons, that whole issue of using long-acting neuroaxial anesthetics, that the Society of Obstetric Anesthesia and Perinatology, or the SOAP Society, that's why their guidelines recommend catheter removal at 6 to 12 hours postpartum, not immediate removal. So see, there has to be a happy medium. Immediate removal is at one end, waiting 24 hours is the other end, but 6 to 12 hours seems to be the sweet spot, especially for use with long-acting neuroaxial anesthesia. But here's the catch. If you're going to remove the catheter at 6 to 12 hours, there should be a protocol in place to look for urinary retention. If there's no void within 4 to 6 hours after the catheter is removed, then either a bladder scan or in-and-out catheterization should be done to track progress of urinary flow. Now remember, this isn't the otherwise stable patient. If your patient had PPH or you're concerned about delayed postpartum hemorrhage, you've got to leave that Foley in because in that case, that's serving the purpose of urinary tract to prevent acute tubular necrosis. So remember, this is for the overall stable patient. But if your patient is bleeding, that Foley catheter provides another layer of protection to track hypovolemia. So again, just put everything in perspective, right? ERADS is for elective primary section, stable patient, but use that Foley catheter as another tool in the appropriate case when necessary. By the way, that 6 to 12 hour cutoff didn't just kind of come out of the air. It's a combination of number one, allowing the long acting opioid to wear off, and number two, allowed spontaneous return of bladder function. This was published in 2018 by Odell and Chappelle. The title is Optimal Duration of Urinary Catheterization After Cesarean Delivery. The primary outcome of this study was to compare rates of urinary retention in women undergoing cesarean delivery who had their urinary catheter removed either at 24 or 12 hours. This was a quality assurance non-inferiority study. 125 women had their catheters removed at 24 hours and 155 had it removed at 12 hours. Women in the 12-hour group took 30 minutes longer to void for the first void, whereas women in the 24-hour group had preferred earlier removal. Okay, so what was their final conclusion? Well, that there was no real difference in the time to first ambulation, dysuria, or overall patient satisfaction. 
earlier removal was associated with a clinically non-significant increase in time to first void when it was done at 12 hours. And so they concluded, quote, urinary catheterization greater than 12 hours seems to infer no medical benefits for women undergoing cesarean delivery, end quote. Now, before we leave this topic, just one more issue. Yes, there's this whole issue of urinary retention that's possible. I get that. Or missing the diagnosis of urinary retention. That's real. But the other issue has to do with potentially unrecognized hypovolemia. In other words, the concern and the rebuttal to early removal or immediate removal after C-section is we're going to not be able to find if she's oliguric from some kind of delayed or occult bleeding quantification of blood loss at time of delivery, despite continued efforts to improve blood loss estimates by using things like QBL, it's still difficult. So often, decreased urine output is the initial sign of hypovolemia requiring transfusion. And so that's the other rebuttal. Wait a minute, you don't want us to use anything at all? Or if we use it, you want us to remove it quickly? Not comfortable with that. Hence the controversy regarding the current ERAS stance or recommendation for immediate removal after cesarean section. All right, podcast family. So now that we've covered all of that, where are we at? Well, ERAS is a fantastic way to optimize pre-op intra-op, and post-op care. I'm all for it. But you see how everything has its controversy. Removing the Foley catheter immediately after cesarean can have some issues, especially as we're almost universally, at least in the U.S., using long-acting opioids intrathecally because we want to minimize pain control and decrease systemic opioids, and that's the right thing. While removing the catheter immediately after surgery has some value, I do believe and I do side, sorry ERS committee, but I do side with the SOAP guidelines that call for a more liberal approach of keeping it in for 6 to 12 hours. I think keeping a Foley in for 24 hours is just way too long, so the sweet spot seems to be 6 to 12 hour removal, with me personally favoring 12 hours as a time to remove catheter if the patient is otherwise stable and delayed bleeding is not a concern. Well, there we go. We've covered ERAS, the enhanced recovery after surgery as it pertains to C-section, specifically post-op care and what to do with that darn Foley. As always, we're thankful for you and I hope this podcast helped and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.